How many of you have seen the, the title of tonight's message? The Land of Nod. How many of you immediately thought of winking, blinking, and nod? <laughs> okay, I guess it goes back to my homeschooling years. But, you know, every year I start this in January. Well, usually it's not January. It takes me a little longer to get through reading the Bible through in a year because I always get sidetracked. And there's something that catches my attention. And it takes me a lot longer than a year to read through the whole Bible. But I was reading through. I started back in January, my 365 days. I'm going to read it straight through this year and not get sidetracked. And I got to chapter four. And guess what? I got sidetracked. You know, when you read something over and over and over again, you kind of get used to it. You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face. And you're just kind of reading through in a rote kind of way, and then all of a sudden, something catches your attention and stops you, and it's like, wait a minute. And I know I have read this over I don't know how many times, I won't even try to imagine, but one little phrase grabbed me and I'm off on a rabbit trail, but in a good kind of way. And it's talking about, we know the story of how God created the earth. Adam and Eve were put in this perfect environment and they disobeyed God and sin entered the world. And because of that, they were cast out of the garden and when they were cast out of the garden, later sin so took over the life of one of their children that their son Cain murdered his brother. So we're picking up right there at this point where God has confronted Cain and said, what did you do? And he's like, what do you mean, what did I do? You know, and he's like, your brother's blood is calling out to me. What have you done? And he's like, am I my brother's keeper? Do I have to keep up with him too? I mean, don't we try to make excuses when we're like caught in something that we know we've done that was wrong and we start making excuses? Well, that's not my responsibility. That wasn't for me to keep up with. Or how do you know I did that? Well, that's pretty much what Cain was doing. But then it says that God sent Cain away, and he went to live in the land of Nod. Well, that just caught my eye. What is the land of Nod? So I got on the computer, and I started looking around, started looking up, what does that mean? And so this is what I found from a book by Gary Martin called The Phrase Finder. It says the land of Nod is a dreamy land that we imagine ourselves traveling to as we're falling off asleep. The phrase was formed as a little play on words that links sleeping, and that's nodding off, with a place called Nod, which is referred to in the Bible. The biblical Nod, however, was a place of anguished exile rather than of peaceful sleep. It's mentioned right at the beginning of the Bible and is located east of Eden, and this is where Cain dwelt after being cast out of God's presence after he murdered his brother Abel. The name Nod was chosen with purpose. Nod is the Hebrew root of the verb to wander. The implication is that Cain, being in disgrace, was sent to wander aimlessly out of the presence of God. Now, I can't imagine for one minute being in a place of anguish, a place of exile, but a place of totally not 
being aware of the presence of God. But yet this is where Cain spent the rest of his entire life. So we think of that Nod, land of Nod, as a peaceful place, as a wonderful place that we kind of start drifting off to just as we're going to sleep. Jonathan Swift in the 1700s was the first one to use that analogy of Nod as drifting off because what do we do when we're getting sleepy? That head starts dropping. We're not every school teacher in the room knows what I'm talking about. Have you ever wanted to just like go, wake up? <laughs> when you see I'm not, that's all right. I'm up front on Sundays and sometimes I see you and you're nodding off. But we, you know, we don't crank the music up to wake you up. We just keep going. But we associate that with a peaceful place. But yet what the land of Nod really was was not a peaceful place. As a matter of fact, it was a place of unrest. So how do we as Christians, how do we as followers of Christ, what does that mean to us? And I immediately began to think about the last two years of our life. Have we not seen everything turned upside down? Everything that we need, we don't buy groceries the way we used to. We don't get gas the way we used to. We don't go to the doctor the way we used to. Somebody told me this, this week that they spent, they spent almost an hour sitting in their car waiting for the doctor's office to call them and tell them it's okay to come into the building. I mean, we used to go sit for an hour in the lobby, but now everything has changed. But there is a... There's a temptation. There is a place that we can get to when everything is in such upheaval. I mean, if you watch the news all day, we get to the point by the end of the day, we're going, you know what? Well, the world is not going to heaven in a handbasket. Everything is just awful. Everything is bad. Nothing's getting better. Nobody can fix it. And we sit on the couch going, well, there's nothing I can do. Or we sit there and we watch things and we think, well, you know, I can't do anything about it. I've done everything I can do. I can't change anything. The other description of the word, that, that Hebrew word that means nod, is this. It means to have the connotation of slowly being unaware of one's surrounding or to be lulled into a state of unawareness. Has anybody in the last two years just wanted to be in a state of unawareness? I mean, just let me go to work, do my job, come here, let's sing some good songs, and then go work in the garden, and life will be great. I don't even want to deal with everybody else out there. But I can't live as a follower of Christ in a place of unawareness of my world. If anything, we're called to be not only aware but we're going to talk about three things that God calls us to in a state that we could be lulled into a state of complacency, a state of inaction, a state of unawareness. But God has not called us to that. God has called us as his followers to be, well, we're going to talk about three things. And the first thing is to be alert. Be aware. Know what's going on in your world. Does that mean I want you to spend 24 hours watching the news? No, but I want you to know what's going on in your community. I want you to know what's going on 
down the street? What's going on in our state? What's going on in our world? As followers of Christ, we need to be aware not only of what's going on, but how that relates to what God has said in his word. Proverbs 6, 9 through 11 says, when will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. So he's telling us if we choose to separate ourselves and say, well, you know, I'm just not going to respond to anything. I'm just going to sit back and let life happen. I'm going to fold my hands. I'm going to take a nap. I'm not going to worry about anything except me and mine. Then God is telling us, be careful when you see yourself or you feel yourself drawn into that kind of a little sleep, a little slumber, a little maybe I'll check up later. And then before you know it, a thief rushes in and everything we have, everything about us can be challenged and like an armed man coming into our home. I love what Chronicles says in chapter 12. It's talking about the children of a tribe called Issachar. It says the children of Issachar who were men who that understood the times and knew what Israel should do. God is calling us as his followers not only to be aware and to be alert of, to our world, but to know what's going on, to be aware of the times and to prayerfully. These men, they prayerfully studied God's word so that they would know what the nation of Israel needed to do at that period of time. And I would say to us as followers of Christ, as believers in God's word, we need to be reading his word. We need to know what God's promises are. We need to be encouraging ourselves with his word. We need to be praying for others. We need to be aware of what's going on in the world and to know how we should respond. It's just a simple thing, but when the COVID first started, our food pantry was packed out. One of the businesses in town said, do you need some food for your food pantry? And I'm always the one that says, yes, you bring it, then we'll decide what to do with it. And within just a few days, grocery stores, you remember, you would go in and the shelves were empty. They were cleaned out and people were sending us messages. Do you have anything at the church? Do you have any food? Amy and I put over 100 miles on my car in one day, taking bags of groceries and leaving them on people's doorsteps because we had it. We were prepared for something that we never anticipated. But when the time came and the need arose, we were aware of what our community needed. Actually, my husband called me one day and said, stop giving away our toilet paper. Because every time I would start home, somebody would send me a message and say, do you know where we can get toilet paper? I'm on my way. I stopped three times and bought toilet paper on the way home from work one day and gave it all away before I got home. So, yeah, we have to be aware of what's going on in our world. And it may be something as simple as sharing a bag of groceries or it may be something as impactful as Esther knowing what was going on in the kingdom when Mordecai came to her and said, do you know that they are plotting to destroy all of us? 
And then her response was to pray, to fast, and to make intercession for her people. So God has called us not only to be alert, but to be ready to take action. Be active. What are we to be active in? Well, maybe what we're not to be active in is just making things worse by getting on social media and ranting and raving. Maybe what we need to do is more in a positive way. The book of Timothy says, don't neglect your gift, which you were given. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save yourself and your hearers. What is that talking about? First, let's start with don't neglect your gifts. Each one of us are created individually. Each one of us are created and given a special gifting. Some of you can do things that I can't even begin to do. Some of you can do things that I have no gifting in. And when I need you, I'm on the telephone going, hey, you know, this is happening. Can you fix it? What do I need to do? When my son got ready to be on deployment for a while with the military, he called. He said, all right, Mom, I've got your phone set up. I've got your computer set up. I've set up the remotes on all the TVs. Don't touch anything until I get home. Because he knew I'm the one that's going to be calling going, I can't get the computer to do this. I can't get the, why is the remote not working? Why can't I get to? He knew that was going to be me. But you give me something creative to do. You give me a stack of pasteboard boxes and we're going to find something creative to make. We were making snowflakes out of leftover gift bags from Christmas for our stage a few weeks ago. You give me something creative to do and I am there. You give me something technical, that is not my gifting. And if you don't know, you say, well, I don't have a gift. I'm not creative. I'm not. I'm sure you do. Every one of us, God has given us something unique about ourselves that we can do. You may be that one person that, you know, you're just aware of what's going on in the community. You're the ones that's calling me going, hey, this apartment complex needs some groceries. Hey, these kids need backpacks. Hey, do you know where we can get this? Someone called one day and said, do you have a wheelchair at the church? And I said, no, I don't. They said, do you want one? And I'm like, well, I don't know what I would do with it, but you're really welcome to bring it. So they brought the wheelchair over and we stuck it in one of the storage rooms. Three days later, somebody called me and said, can you help us? My father has fallen. He's had several falls. We need a wheelchair and it's going to be several days because everything at that point was just crazy. It's going to be several days to a week before we can get a wheelchair and I need one for him right now. And I was like, I got one. Come over. I'll meet you at the door with it. You may be that person that just have the gift of being able to pull things together to meet a need when it comes up and you go, I can't sing. I can't play musical instruments. I can't preach. I don't have a gifting. There is a gifting in your life. And God wants us in this time to be using those things and not being lulled into sleepiness. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that others around you will see your progress. 
people are watching us. People are watching the Christian community during this time of pandemic. How do we respond? How do we react? And I can tell you, I love it when I go out into this community. I was somewhere the other day, and the people ahead of me were talking about something that needed a need that had come up in the community. And the, I didn't even know the person in front of me. And they said, oh, call Woodland Church. And I was like, yes. <laughs> what do you need? I'm here. That's you too. When you are out in the church, it's not me. It's not pastor. It's not the staff. It's us. And we're reaching out and people are watching our progress. Watch your life and your doctrine. Our children are in a 16-week program right now, and they are just learning the basic doctrines, the basic tenets of Christian faith. What does it mean to be a Christian? What is salvation? What is water baptism? What does the Bible teach about healing? They are going through 16 weeks. It's all right to say, I believe. I believe in God, but let's know what the Bible says. And the Bible also says, no, study so that you won't be distracted by things that are not true, that are not biblical, that you will know the difference because it affects not only you, but it affects the people that are listening to you as well. Thirdly, be confident in God's promises. God's word is full of promises, full of things that he's said to us. And I love it when he says, you're mine and I'm yours. When we adopted our daughter, she was five years old. And she kept asking me because she had been in several foster homes. And every time she'd be there, they would let her know that she might not be there long. And one of her foster parents had told her, one day you're going to get a forever mommy. So when she came to live with us and we were going through the adoption process, she keep, kept asking me, are you my forever mommy? And I would tell her, yes, I'm your forever mommy. 30 minutes later, she would come back and go, are you my forever mommy? <laughs> and I would tell her again, yes, I'm your forever mommy. So the day that we did her adoption before we went to the courthouse to go before the judge and make everything legal. We took her out to lunch and we said, Amy, we want you to know that you are forever ours. So daddy's going to give you his last name, Clanton, and I'm going to give you my name, Rebecca. So your name now will be Amy Rebecca Clanton so that you know forever you belong to us. We're not only going to sign a piece of paper, but we're going to give you our names. And God says to us, not only am I going to write a book, not only am I going to tell you the story of salvation, but I'm going to tell you that from this day on, you are my child and I'm going to call you by my name and you will be forever mine. As we follow God, we are his. We are not, all, not just followers. We're not just believers. We're not just, you know, I believe McDonald's exists. I believe when I go there, they're going to have sweet tea. If they don't, I go to another one. But it's something much deeper than just a belief. It is a knowledge it is an understanding. It is a trust. And when God makes a promise, he keeps it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, And I 
took this out of the message because I just loved the excitement that it set it with. So let's do it. Full of belief, confident that we are presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worship together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. So what does that mean? It's great to watch us online. We're glad you're there, but if it is at all possible, we need to get together just like we're doing here. You can't see it before we get online, but everybody is here is encouraging each other. How was your week? How is this one doing that was sick? How is that situation going that you were telling me about? Oh, I read something in the scripture this week that really jumped out at me and I thought about you. We are encouraging each other just by being together. So get up and join us. Be here, be a part of the church that you're a part of and encourage each other with these words. The last book of the Bible, it's a great big picture of what's going to happen at the end. It's called the book of the Revelation, but it opens up with a letter to churches and the church world. And it basically says this, perk up, clean up, and listen up. Everything is about to change. If you read through the first part of Revelation, it's letters to different churches going, you're doing this okay, you need to improve in this area. You've really extended a hand of love to your community. Or maybe you're not doing anything at all and the Lord says, I have something against you. All of us need to be totally aware that just because we are followers of Christ doesn't mean that we can't continually grow in that relationship. As believers, God calls us to be fully aware of our relationship with Him. He calls us to gather in worship and encourage each other. He calls us to be using our gifts that He's given us to reach the world. And He's called us to be confident in the fact that He will keep His promises. That includes the promise that he will come again. When this all first started, I was at work and a fellow employee came up to me and he said, hey, do you think this is the end of the world? I said, I don't know. It could be. He said, well, you believe that stuff about Jesus coming back, right? And I was like, yep. And he was like, well, what if he came today? And I was like, I wouldn't do anything different than I'm doing right now. I'd do my job. I'd be faithful to the Lord. I'd tell you that Jesus loves you. And I would be faithful in what God's called me to do. Would I be panicking going, the world's ending? No, I would be excited. I asked my husband one day when um, all of this pandemic stuff and we were totally locked down in the state of Michigan, I said, which way is east? And he's like, uh, that way? I don't know where I'm at now. So anyway, he pointed east. I was like, I just want to know, just in case the Lord comes, I want to be, you know, looking that way because the Bible says he'll come in the eastern sky. So we had a good laugh because everything was pretty crazy at that time. But I believe what Acts chapter 1 says. Jesus had been risen from the dead. 
He had appeared to his disciples. He had talked to them. Many people had seen him. And they got together, his disciples with Jesus, and they basically said, okay, what happens next? I mean, we have seen you die. We were there. We witnessed it. We know it wasn't a trick. We saw it. We saw you resurrected. We're standing here talking to you right now in person, and I know you died, and now you're here. So what's next? Are you going to restore Jerusalem? Are you going to pull down the Roman government? And Jesus looked at him and he said, guys, that's not for us to know. That's for God. He knows the appointed times. All of that is under his authority. But there is something that we are to do. And that's when Jesus gives them what we call the Great Commission in the book of Acts, starting at chapter 1, verse 9. This is what you're to do. Go to all the world, preach the gospel, be faithful. He said, Jerusalem, Samaria, and the outermost parts of the world. That's why we support missionaries around the world. It's not just Brownstown. It's not just Michigan. It's not just the United States that needs to know Jesus Christ. We are called to take his message. And then it says in in verse 9, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who was taken from you to heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go. Jesus, God, keeps his promises. If he promised he'll come back, he will. When? I don't know. But I've been given a job. You've been given a job to do. In the meantime, we're to share his love. We're to share the message of forgiveness that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that my sins could be forgiven. We're to encourage one another. We're to gather together. We're to study his word so that we know what these times are all about. And we're to wait with great anticipation the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, I am so thankful You could have just left and said, I did my job. I made a provision for salvation and gone back to heaven. But you didn't. You are an active part of our lives. You are concerned about everything that concerns us. Heavenly Father, you have called us your children. We are not abandoned or orphaned. You have said that you have given us a challenge. Lord, How am I supposed to go to all the world and preach the gospel? It's through your power. It's through your Holy Spirit that you will give us the power to share this message. Lord, even when maybe it seems we're doing nothing more than carrying a bag of groceries, but we're doing it faithfully and actively. And Father, help us to continue to grow in our relationship with you even in the midst of turbulent times. Amen. Thank you guys for being with us tonight. I hope you'll grab your Bibles.
and start reading this year, 